Hello and welcome to episode six of This Is Not A Book Club. Um, do you want to introduce our brand new... Is it six or seven? Six. Six? Six. Okay, wow. Our yeah. sponsor. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> we're not, but we're going to pretend like... I'm going to take a sip just to show how amazing this is. Prime. Yeah. So Prime went after Arsenal. Then they went after Barcelona. And now they have knocked on the door of the esteemed This Is Not A Book Club podcast. So we are here. We're not, just to be clear. But yeah, well, we, we could be. We could be. <laughs> and we didn't pay for these, by the way. These were these were on the house from, from James, our um, producer. Yeah. Do you want to crack on with the podcast? We've yeah. done enough brand endorsement for Prime. Yeah, no, I think that was good. Yeah? Yeah, now we're ready for... I have a question for you. Yes? I told you I was going to ask you a question. So you messaged me a couple of days ago. <laughs> I can see where this is going. So obviously, like episode four, Yes. I think we talked about David Goggins mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the marathon and all of that. Let's not go into yeah. all of that. One of us had done a marathon. Basically. One hasn't, obviously. Um, yeah. So you said that you were going for, you were going to go for a run. Mm. And you were like, <laughs> you sent me a voice note saying... I was going to go for a run, but it started raining. Yeah. Um, so, do, like, what do I do? Yeah. And then I sent you a David Goggins video uh, in response. Yeah. Did you go for that run? Yeah, I did. How was it? Oh, amazing. The, that video, basically, just to for the viewers, yeah. what the video was. Like, I'm telling him, I'm basically asking for an advice because I'm preparing for a 10K race now. Mm. Not a marathon, but we've got to try. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. So, I, I asked him... Um, some advice in running i'm thinking where to go give me a route or like should i wear something differently you send me this video in which is david goggins like you want to run the weather's not good so <laughs> so so <laughs> you just broke your leg so <laughs> and did you run i ran yeah actually i wanted to do 10k yeah. i did uh, 11 and a half just no. to for goggins yeah for goggins for your sake for, for my sake salim goggins um but yeah yeah no that was a, that was an interesting i actually wanted to really thank you and say that <clears throat> made a huge difference because i was thinking how can you go from that not just motivation but to actually get things mm. doing i was like had i listened to a book on my own without having the podcast i don't think i'll be running right now but because afterwards you pushed me to sign up for that 10k run yeah now i feel like okay i have to do that so i've been actually running quite regularly which for me that's an interesting thing sometimes if when there's like we commit to something mm. that's really helpful you're welcome yeah i actually okay, just, anytime yeah. this one I, I really thank you for that it's been really <laughs> fun no i think generally uh when it comes to these kind of things you're right when you set a target and you work towards you have something to work towards it's a lot yeah, easier yeah so like i haven't run a long distance since the marathon i, I did a half marathon and after that i've run maximum like 10k mm. um just because there's nothing to work towards yeah. so I'm, I'm like whatever but yeah it's it's when i think when you find yourself like okay i've got to achieve this mm. then you you naturally work towards it yeah and uh, i think yeah yeah sorry i caught you go on no i was done no and i was gonna say sometimes it's really helpful for someone who finds it a little bit they're more familiar with that world to give you that push so that so yeah that's why hopefully maybe more interesting things will come about that but i don't want to reveal too much <laughs> yeah. we have to be fair we have a lot of plans for the podcast yeah and i'm hoping um I told you, right, like we'll, we'll launch and we'll start with basic branding and whatever else. And then six months in, which is where we're at now, yeah, we can start stepping. I mean, Prime is in oof, the picture. Oof, yeah. So we, we can we can really start um, having some fun with it. And, and, and we've, we've had so many ideas 
um, which we're hoping to start implementing. Yeah. So <clears throat> only good things to come. So yeah, I, I think let's um, crack on with with this episode. Yeah. So the book this week is Soul for Happy yes, by Mo Godat slash Gaudat. Can you can you as as the authority on names? How <laughs> how do we pronounce it? Um, how, how do the Dutch pronounce it? <laughs> That's a very good question. Mm. Um, I would go with Mo Godat okay. for for this episode. Godat. Yes. All right. We'll, we'll go with Godat, and then we can be corrected. And, and I hope if we're wrong, <laughs> it will be corrected. We mean no offense. So I'll read a quick bio. Uh, Mo Godat is an author, entrepreneur, and former chief business officer of Google X. Born in Egypt, he developed a passion for mathematics and technology with a bachelor's degree in computer science and management. Godat held influential positions at IBM and Microsoft before joining Google X. However, a personal tragedy led him on a quest to understand happiness, resulting in his best-selling book, Soul for Happy, Engineer Your Path to Joy. Godat's unique blend of scientific reasoning, practical insights, and compassionate storytelling has made him a sought-after speaker and advisor on happiness and well-being. His mission is to spread happiness and help individuals unlock their full potential by embracing a positive outlook and strategies for sustainable happiness. That was good. No, that it's was tiring. Good. You tried. You, you tried know, like really my breathing hard. goes all messed up when I when I read. It's it's so. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So this book. What did you think? I mean, okay, as always, can you can you summarize it in like a sentence or two? So Mo Godat, as a former chief business officer of Google X, an engineer-minded person, um, a mathematically-minded person, says, I wanted to figure out a figure or a, sorry, a formula for happiness. So the book is basically an effort of an engineer to give a formula for happiness tested in his own life. Mm. So that was more than one sentence. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. Um, I really liked it overall. Yeah. Mm. I, I think uh, maybe we start with like the central hypothesis that he puts out or the equation that he puts together. Yeah. Um, he basically says that Everything is about your happiness and everything is, is essentially about experience versus expectations. If your expectations or if your experience exceeds your expectations or is the same as your expectations, then you will be happy or content. If your experience is below your expectations, then you'll be unhappy. Unhappy. Um, and I think when I, when I read that and you break it down that simply, it, it makes sense. Um, because I think everything comes down to... Uh, expectations so in any kind of social interaction for example you expect a certain level of respect from people if you don't get that you would be unhappy mm. just like when you go to a restaurant and you expect a certain level of service or whatever um when you don't get that you complain you kick up a fire yeah. you say oh that server was rude yeah. or whatever else if your food comes late because you expected it in 20 minutes but it takes yeah. 30 minutes it's all based on expectations so i think from there he he goes on to kind of discuss very deeply in many different ways where our expectations come from mm -hmm. who has the expectations the mind feelings all of these things um but yeah just just in terms of like the the first central uh hypothesis your yeah thoughts? so so yeah i think that is actually the 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 basis of the book that um happiness is not something that you should gain like later on in your life it's a birthright every person should be happy this mm. is one of the things he says and he says that the reason we're not happy is not external events as you said it's our expectation of what life should look like 
And so he says, instead of trying to gain our happiness later on, like I'll achieve this degree or this job to at some point be happy, you need to solve your life for happy right now. Mm. Uh, which reminds me of that. I don't know if you saw a, a, a few years ago, uh, this became quite like viral on Instagram that uh, they asked like a child, what do you want to be when you're older? And then she said, happy. And that's an answer that was surprising for everyone. But he says, that's what every person should say. We always think that I need to be this. I want to be that, which means that, for example, if I say I want to be like, I don't know, a famous author or whatever, it says you are solving your life for being an author. But instead, solve your life for happy. Like make that as your primary goal, and then you will see that uh, it's attainable. It's everyone can get it. But you need to let go of your expectations and some delusions, basically. He also said something interesting where he he gave the example of like a refugee camp, and he said they'll be inter- interviewing you know adults, for example, yeah, who are who have lost their homes, who have you know had to flee due to war or whatever else, and they'll always be miserable. And then he goes, the camera will always pan or like often in the background, you'll see children who are playing blissfully happy. Mm. Um, and and he, he makes the point that unhappiness is basically or, or happiness is the absence of unhappiness. Our default state is to be happy. So he, he talks a lot about childhood and children and how children are just in a state of bliss and joy and, and everything is good in the world. Um, but then it's only the external factors. And as like society and things pile on, we start to find ourselves discontent and unhappy. Um, and it's the absence, essentially, of unhappiness that leads to happiness. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think the point he was trying to make here is that um, it the idea that by gaining certain things that culture tells us to gain more of will be happy, we won't be. Mm-hmm. Children coming to this world happy, and it seems like we program them out of happiness by the time they're an adult. And that's actually one of the points I really like in some of my workshops as well. I mention it that most adults are really grumpy, like even the ones who've reached their dreams or what. Yeah. By it's it's very rare to come across an adult that really smiles and all of that. And Mo doesn't shy away. I hope it's okay to call him Mo. <laughs> Um, Sir Godat does not Sir, sh- Sir <laughs> does not shy away from the fact that he says that's who I was, and I really find that part because someone may say, "Why should I listen to another book on happiness?" Like as if I haven't read enough of this. Mm. Or I think he, as an engineer, his uh, he he got he's got that mentality that if I'm giving you a product, I need to show proof for it, proof of concept, right? And he says this formula has been tested on my own life mm-hmm. in a very difficult situation. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I started reading it because mm. you told me that he touches upon this issue. Yola will we'll come down to. Although you did mention it in the yeah, bio. yeah, yeah. so he says. Um, he comes from like he migrates from Egypt um, and reaches all of his dreams he goes really successful in the tech world he worked in Microsoft then becomes chief business officer of Google X by 29 he's at top of the world basically of his own world and he said I had everything uh, villa with swimming pool all the cars could i make money any day i wanted and he's got all of this but he says i'm not happy and and, and i think he's he mentioned that beautiful memory which was like his wake up call um so money wife 
children, everything is great. But he says, I'm still working, always busy, doing busy people thing. And he says, one uh, morning, my little daughter, uh, five years old at the time, wanted to go out, was excited to have ice cream. And I told her, come on, be serious for a, for a minute or something like that. And he says, I just caught myself asking my five-year-old, you need to be serious. I said, okay, something's going wrong. Mm. And so at that point, I realized I'm really not enjoying life. Um, and he sets out to find a way to be happy. And it's not easy. So, so I think he, uh, the reason I think that I got interested in the book is that this is not another person just writing about happiness. This was a person who tried to solve his own thing. Yeah. These are precious people. And, and yeah. I, I think more than anything, uh, it's he, he, he. I think he develops this framework or formula before yeah. his son passes away. And then he talks about it in the book. And I think in chapter one, so we both listen to the book. So you'll hear a very distinct difference in his voice yeah. in the oh, first yeah. half of that chapter to when he starts talking about his son Ali's uh, yeah. passing away. So his son died when he was 21 with a, it was a routine I think uh, appendix operation. Yeah, I don't remember, but it was a very routine it, it, operation. It was a routine operation, and uh, there were five mistakes in a row. Yeah, and and they basically punctured something. He internally bled, yeah. and he passed away. But I think what's what's also incredible, and this is more personal than like the the general philosophy of the book, is the way that he talks about his son oh. and and his son's like wisdom. And yeah. you know, he said that that they would go to Ali for advice yeah yeah and, and he, he was like the sage of the family yeah that's uh, beautiful really really beautiful and it comes across like you're listening and you feel it you know mm. i really felt but that, that's the beauty i think because he's reading the book himself yeah and and he's you can hear that he's like i think he's vis visible audibly kind of shaking yeah um as he gets closer to describing what happens to his son yeah um it's it's really quite moving and 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 i think it lays the foundation because he's being so open and so bare with his story. Yeah. You're willing to to give it time. Exactly. Because as you say, there are other books where it's like, okay, here's a philosophy of life. Yeah. But like, there's no proof. Yeah. Yeah. That, who said it works? Yeah. So, so that's actually one of the reasons that I kept listening. Was initially, it was a little bit difficult for me to listen because um, it comes across as like, Finally, I'm going to share with you something that no one got it, but mm. because I'm so smart. And especially think, from like a Google exec. I think these are, I, I hope these are the things editors added. It's <laughs> 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 so like a lot of this that no one got it, but it's all because these humanities people don't get it now and engineers come to solve it for you all. Yeah, yeah. That was really difficult for me to push with. But I felt like this guy has something genuine. I was like, let me listen. And I'm so glad I listened. I pushed yeah. through and... um. So basically, yeah, he's 29-year-old, very rich, not happy. He sets on to figure out how to be happy. He starts researching everything. And in the meantime, his son is growing. So he starts talking to his son, etc. Uh, and then his son dies. And he says, for me, that was the test if my formula works or not. And he realizes that, no, it did work. Mm. And he says, of course, I was sad that I've lost my son. And it's and you can imagine how angry one would be if you lose your son to like mistake of, of a doctor. But he says, I realize that resentment is not going to bring my son back. I can choose either to cherish his memory and be happy or be unhappy. And he said, I chose to be happy. And then so the, so this is basically, I think, the foundation he builds the book on top of that. Um, and I was going to say, even even practically in, in light of his son's death, 
Um, this book, for example, wouldn't have happened without that. And he embraces the fact that uh, his his son's death could have been an accident and could have been yeah. in vain, and and that was the end of it. Yeah. But he's decided to to make something off it, and yeah. for everything that's come from it. So I think initially, after his son passed away, friends and family d- decided to to support a water project, um, and 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 you know hundreds of people have have had clean drinking water as a result of his son's death then obviously the legacy of this book and how many people that it's impacted and yeah. changed and all of his speaking and everything else he's really taken something that could be a life-defining tragedy that kind of almost cuts an entire family's journey short and it does and it really does and, and it yeah. does and, and you know you can see and we know examples even personally of how trauma can yeah cripple uh entire like generations entire villages almost but he's made it a source of strength, yeah, which is beautiful. And, and there was one example actually that that really struck me that he gave, where he he spoke about this Saab car that he had that he really loved, and he goes, "One of the happiest days of my life was the day that that car was written off." Mm. And he goes, "Why? Because my wife was driving it, and she got into a head-on collision." And he goes, "I was so grateful that um, she walked away from that with without a scratch. The car was written off, but the airbags worked correctly. Everything, all the safety measures." worked out so he goes there's two ways of looking at it he goes had that car been parked and had someone hit it head on and it had been destroyed the same outcome his wife would have been safe the car would have been destroyed yeah exactly the same outcome but our perspective is what shapes everything yeah Yeah. and i think that's like a central kind of foundation of this book that everything is is based on our our perception of events but then like he i mean he goes on to talk about uh the self and yeah. identifying with the mind yeah, and, and yeah. i think that the, the chapter you know you can loosely term it just who am i yeah and he strips back all the layers yeah, yeah. and and again he does it as a as an engineer yeah, he does yeah, it as yeah. like a scientist so he he kind of says okay so you you you, you are thoughts you know they say i think therefore i am yeah so whoever um Descartes, yeah Descartes. yes all the same. Let's be <laughs> Come on, I'm just enjoying my prime over here. Leave me alone. Um, so he goes, uh, yeah, he goes, okay, I think therefore I am. He goes, that statement I believe is false because, yeah. okay, if I tell you to think about something, if you stop thinking, you don't cease to exist. Mm. And then he goes, okay, so you're not, you're not the thinker. Yeah. You're not this, you're not that. And he, you're not everything else in existence. So what are you? And he kind of takes you back. In, and I don't think he really gives... He gives his own interpretation, but he doesn't force any sort of agenda. Yeah. He just kind of very gently uh, takes you on this journey of yeah. thought, which I really, really like. Yeah, you know, that was very good. So, yeah, so that was that's part of his six grand illusions, mm. right? So he says, in order to be able to um, basically not have an expectation of life or an understanding of life that would take your happiness away, there's yeah. six illusions you need to let go of. And one was about self, who I am. And so, and he says a lot of our basically unhappiness comes from the fact that we have a wrong identification. Like sometimes we identify with our wealth. So once our wealth goes, we become unhappy. We feel like we've lost it with our th- uh, uh, with, with different things, and uh, even with our physical form. In that chapter, he goes quite deep, which is really nice. I think that was a very good chapter. Mm. Uh, the one about thought, like we think that our thoughts are true or are us. That's another really nice chapter. He goes into uh, basically what are our thoughts. Uh, 
And he says, it's just like your brain trying to, you know, figure things out. Or uh, it, it basically, I think his approach in, in the thought chapter is like, he says, don't be a slave of your mind or brain. It's a tool you have and you can tweak it to get better results out of it. So it's as if you deal with your uh, brain in a certain way, it'll give you keep this, it'll keep giving you these negative thoughts which will bring your life down, but you can uh, tweak it a little bit to give you different type of thoughts. Or even when it gives you negative thoughts, how do you deal with it? Do you accept it or not? So as part of these grand illusions that we need to let go in order to be happy, he mentions the self, the thought. Another very interesting one was the idea of control. Mm. He says we need to let go of this idea that we can control life. And uh, for example, one of the things that he examples he gives is his own uh, child, right? He says after the 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 child passed away, he kept having these thoughts that okay, you should have taken him to another place, you should have maybe another hospital. This wouldn't have happened, and all of that. I mean, at some point, you gotta admit not everything is in our control. Yeah. And then he goes through this. Uh, explanation of how many um, different elements contribute to one event happening that's just impossible for any human being to be able to control that and, and even on that he talks about the interconnectedness of 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 all of us yeah and um i really like this notion where he was talking about how we are the kind of protagonists in our story mm. but actually we are um a part of everybody else's story as well and everyone has their own journey so he gave an example of for example uh when you you're at a coffee shop and you either go to the barista on the left or the right he goes if you go to the one on the left then the person behind you will go to the person yeah. on the right and then they could for example strike up a conversation end up married with yeah. seven kids and whatever no. And that's a reality that can happen. Yeah. But it's like, had you gone on the right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it would have been a completely different story. But the fact is that we're so caught up in our own life and our own story and our own journey that we forget that it's everyone's is so interconnected. Yeah. And he talks about creating that bond and connection with, with existence, essentially, with everybody. Yeah. Um, and having that kind of shared c compassion and understanding. Um, which, I, which, I, which I, again, I, I, I think it was... For me, the, the journey of reading this book was was interesting because he kind of gives you homework to do as well. So mm. He tells you, for example, write a list of everything that makes you happy. Yes, yeah. Um, and it's always really simple things. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, uh, a warm embrace of your child, for example, things like that. Yeah. And it's like these things, they don't cost anything. They're not like extravagant things necessarily. They're everyday occurrences. Yeah. But how comes we're still not happy? Because you, yeah. you, you probably get that if you're a parent, your your kids will come and give you a hug and a kiss yeah. and you put them to bed and whatever. But still we find ourselves unhappy. So our, our goalposts need to be adjusted and we need mm. to really understand and reconcile all of this stuff. Yeah. Um there was one other thing I was going to mention which was I can't remember now. Prime. prime. I, I was going to say the prime, <laughs> the prime is getting to me. You know what? This is actually nicer than I thought it would be. Is it? I really want to try that flavor too. What's your flavor? Do you want to? Here you go. My, yeah. Take it. Oh, no, 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 okay. Care. This is, oh, blue raspberry. What have you got? Tropical punch. Tropical punch. James, do they have more flavors? Yeah. All right. Next next podcast, we're doing, we're doing new flavor. I, I prefer mine. Can I have mine back? Yeah, sure. Do you like this? Can uh, we do both? Uh, we're... Primetastic. <laughs> <laughs> Take it in. Um, 
Okay, nice brief interlude there. What was I saying? You were mentioning my... some deep points, <sighs> but lost, enough of you. I lost. Okay, go on, you go. <laughs> so, just to be loyal to, because in the first half, we're meant to explain, then give a yeah, overview yeah. of the book. So, the model, Hunt one part of his model is there are six illusions you need to let go of, hmm. which we just gave some of them. Uh, and then another part is there are seven blind spots you have to be careful of. These are basically some cognitive patterns uh, or biases in the in the way we think that could lead to our happiness. For example, exaggeration. He gives examples that like if a couple of bad things happen to our life, we're like, oh, my life is doomed. So he mentions these cognitive um, things to be careful about as well cognitive biases he calls them blind spots so six illusions you need to get rid of seven blind spots and then he mentions five truths or grand truths of life that you need to come in terms with and uh, so basically six illusions let go of seven blind spots be careful and five truths accept and the truths were basically um, things like death change um I think the fact that now is the only thing we have uh, and and lastly like he ends the book with with the idea of of design that there mm. is some story to to this life it's not a a stupid random event so yeah all right I I think that's that's enough I I I would encourage anyone that's listening to this if you haven't read or listened to the book it's it's worth it um it's... love as well sorry love as well was change love death and grand design and the fact that now is all we have sorry these were the five truths that's that... fine interrupt me all you like yeah yeah sorry you're you saying what were you saying i don't know you were saying that no, I, I was <laughs> yeah, yeah i was saying that anyone who has um not read the book i personally would, would recommend reading it because I, I think it is a it's a it's a really well written book and it it provides you some really good food for thought Mm. And I think, you know, like we said, because it's it's based on like his lived experience, mm -hmm. um, it's something that it's it's almost difficult to negate. Like you have to say, OK, fine, it works for him. Therefore, it can work. Mm. So give it a go. Why yeah, not? Yeah. yeah. Um, should we get to our ratings? Let's get to our ratings. So readability. Uh, readability. 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 I would give eight. Eight. Yes. Yeah, eight eight point five. I think eight point five as well. 8. Yeah. 8. 5, 8. Okay. 5, yeah. Should we just we just match these? Okay. What's the next one? Uh, practicality. Practicality. Eight. Yeah, I'm going eight. This is just going to be the same. Okay. And, and depth of insight. Depth. Eight. Yeah. All right. Same scores for once. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's good. Uh, good. Well, I mean, good ratings overall. Yeah, I definitely recommend this book to people i think it's a good read for two reasons one is it's real mm. the most precious thing i think in my view in the world is real stories of people yeah and this is a person who shares his own real journey that's i think very precious and another thing is is that he re-articulates so many things although there are original things in the book as well that he came up with but also some of the other things he says which have been there he articulates it in a new way which for some people who may not be enjoying, you know, for example, I don't know, books about spirituality or happiness, they find the language weird or, you know, especially I'm thinking about like business-minded people, tech people, or very, uh, you know, serious people. I think this is a very good articulation of those truths for that audience. Yeah. I even had a few of our friends in mind. <laughs> I was like one of our mutual friends. Yeah. I was like, this book would be very good for him with that type of mind. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think 
highly recommendable. Yeah, definitely. Um, I for for me, uh, so I I mentioned as well. I think it's it's a good read. But one of the things that I've only seen ever explored, uh, in in a, in one other book. I'm sure there are many books on the topic of death, but uh, the subtle art of not giving a bleep. Um, that book he he had the last par- the last chapter he talks about death mm. um, and it, I find it really refreshing because often when it comes to these things it's always about life yeah even happiness is about life but even Mo Godat he really obviously because it's the, the final chapter chapter 15 I think he he talks about his son's death and yeah. and his way of coming to terms with it and coping and he compares it to like a video game yeah. and how his son took a shortcut basically yeah, to the finish and, and they used to play video games together. I don't want to, to be honest, I'm not going to say anymore. That chapter, there were a few chapters that is it, they deserve 10 in depth. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, that one was that, amazing. That chapter was brilliant. And it was, it was so, the thing is, sometimes the, the content can be very dense and so it becomes difficult to listen to. This was like, because it was storytelling at its best. He's, yeah, he was really good. Right? Plus, there was so much depth of insight. Yeah. As you say, 10 out of 10. 10 out of um, 10. I might listen to that chapter again very yeah, soon. Because I just... Was, I, yeah, I, and it's good that we, we didn't talk about it because I think it's very good for people to yeah, yeah. get a fresh encounter with that chapter. 100%. That chapter deserves 10, even mm. in readability. Yeah, the yeah. chapter on control, that was very deep too. Mm. 10, 10 out of 10. Um. So for the second half, the yeah. the epilogue. Do we call it the epilogue? Uh, we can. It's it's now the epilogue. <laughs> so uh, there, there's there's loads of different things. I I want to start with. Um, so I had a conversation with with one of our mutual friends about um, this this hypothesis of expectation versus mm. uh, experience, and and what he kind of came back with, which I think is interesting and fair. Is that because for me, my approach generally is is I have very low expectations so that I'm not disappointed. Yeah. But he was saying that, okay, f- that's fine. But at some level, there is a base level of expectation. Do you know what I mean? Like with any circumstance, any situation, like right now, I don't know if this podcast is going to go, well, I have no expectations of it. So it's fine. I'm, I can't yeah. be disappointed with the outcome yeah. because I don't expect it to be the world's best podcast episode. But at the same time, I don't expect you to throw your prime drink all over my face. Mm. If I did that, that would be below my expectations, even though I have no expectations. Yeah. So he, he was basically saying that at some level, we always have a basic base level of expectations. So how do we overcome that in situations where you, you expect very common decency, but you don't get it? Naturally, you're going to be frustrated or unhappy if we accept the premise of this equation. Mm. Or do you not accept the premise of the equation in the first place? Okay, I think the premise needs work, but not because of this reason. Okay, we'll get to it. And this is not a good objection. Yeah, this objection. I is, told him that, but he didn't listen. This objection <laughs> is basically saying that I find it hard not to have expectations. Yeah, right. Uh, so he would say, "Okay, I've got these five things for you to go on for." <laughs> you know, um, even in this podcast, if I throw this at you, yes, yeah. you may say I expected that. I'm always like, "Why did you expect that?" Or now this life learned you that sometimes people are idiots. That's something you learn and you accept. In life, I'm gonna face idiots, and that's really true. And one of the things that sometimes people need to go to therapy to sort out is that people, a lot of us, grow up thinking everyone's nice, especially. Um, if you're from like a family in which people are nice and mm. then suddenly you reach a very like not decent person yeah. and that can really shatter someone's worldview 
why did this person do to me? I never intended any harm to them. Which means that um, a lot of people may have a worldview that you're right, comes with certain base expectations, but life gets those away from you. So, uh, no, it is true that we can have a place where uh, we have no expectation, but that's not an easy thing. And that's what I wanted to say is what the objection to this is. One of the objections is that getting to a place where you're fully without expectation is not as easy as, uh, as, as reading a book will get us there. That is really some journey, right? And it's not just a cognitive thing. It's not like you can learn certain things and get there. That will be a result of a lot of, um, a, a lot of journeying. Well, we can talk about it maybe more. Mm. So, so that objection, I don't expect, uh, accept it. I would accept it so far as saying, yes, it's hard. We always come with expectations sometimes, so we need to keep getting rid of them. The objection I have with the formula is this, that um, even if you don't have expectation, it doesn't lead to happiness. It leads to not being unhappy, but that could take you to a state of boredom after a while. Although even that is massive, huge. A lot of people, if they get there, would be so happy, right? But let's say I don't expect anything from life. So there would be nothing that goes against my expectation and it wouldn't make me unhappy. Fair enough. But then after a certain time, I may start questioning what is the point of life. It takes you from depression to nihilism if, if something else is not there too. So that's why I think the formula is not complete. It solves a lot of the reasons why we're unhappy, yeah. but it may push us to a deeper problem, which is if you think about it, <clears throat> the journey a lot of people go through. I mean, this is an interesting time to talk about it. One of the things that happened in more developed countries, people were starting getting wealthy. A lot of people went through Mo Godat's journey. What's the journey? Gain material wealth, you'll be happy. You get there, oh, it wasn't happy, right? Mm. And, and they very soon realized that this idea that if I expect a good life and control to get there doesn't lead to happiness. So then they're like, okay, let me try another thing. They go to level two. Let me accept everything and really have no expectation. And, and that really takes you from that depression out you go into a different level of life, but even that at a certain point will have a ceiling, you know? Although I'm saying for a person to reach that ceiling, it's going to take so long, so they're going to be happy for a long time. Yeah. But once they reach that ceiling, it's going to be a worse pain than the one they started first because there's another thing, there's another level above that. Does it make sense what I'm saying or no? I'm not sure if I'm articulating it well. I want to hit level three, so keep going. No, because like I want to first make sure, did I make this clear or not? Like, No, I, I get you. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. Well, level three is human beings um, need to, uh, they, they can't not grow. They you need, said they can't. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> human beings can't not grow. They keep growing through um, material wealth reach a ceiling then they come out they're like okay let me grow in acceptance let me grow in but even that will you realize okay it's a it's a small world in 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 the sense that okay let's say you have no expectations 10 years that nothing really went beyond your expectation at some point you're going to ask yourself oh, yeah. what's the point of all of this so that's why the last chapter is a door that can help for this answer the chapter mm. about design 
But I would say most of the formula is there. That at, at some point you need to realize what am I doing? Okay, let's say nothing is going against my expectation. But but what is all of this? What's so, the point of it? So if we were if if we take the equation and we're in math class right now, mm. would you add like a, a purpose of life into that equation somewhere? Uh, or or like an uh, what as in so again let, let's take it out because he's approached it from like a you know equation basis. Yeah. What's your equation for happiness? Oh, I don't want to get there because that would be a lot of like. Uh, what is it called? I want to keep those for other books. <laughs> okay. Right? You know what I mean? I you, just got, want... you got to listen to another seven episodes to get there, right? <laughs> yeah. No, because I don't want to turn this into like a thing about my ideas. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just trying to, you know, trying to use the book as a basis. Mm. Okay, I'm saying this idea of let's accept life and events will can only get you a few years. Although it's a great thing. But it needs some certain uh, supplements next to it. Another thing, for example, you know that idea of don't be in the past, don't be in the future, trying to live in the moment. Yeah, That's only going to work so long, for, for, for some time. At some point, you're like, why? What's keeping me in present? This is a very important question. One of the reasons that people find it even very difficult to stay, like not when they're in the past or like keep thinking about the future, is that what, I need something to hold me in, in, in the present moment, right? So, so what is that? What can hold me now? and not um, want to go against life because um, if life is almost decent there's no chronic illness there's no pain there's so i don't know like massive problem i'm dealing with i can stay in the present moment for some time but let's say uh, my child gets an illness i get an illness let's say i get um, what should make me um and and even if someone says no, accept it. This is what life is. You had expectation to be healthy. You had expectation to have a child. Let go of that expectation. I say okay. I let go of that expectation. So I'm not against life, but I'm not pro life either. Like they letting go of your expectation. You're like, okay, I don't hate life, but who should say I like it? I don't mm -hmm. like it either. I don't hate it, but I don't like it. And that's not a good place to be. It's a it's a good place from hating life, mm. but. But, but what should make me want it? What should, you know, uh, make me feel like, oh, this is a gift. Life is a gift, you know? And not everyone can, like, write a book for a million people to read to get a purpose out of it like that, you know? Many people's life is very ordinary. So so what is the solution for an ordinary person's life in a, in a country where they're struggling to make ends meet? They're dealing with an illness. Okay, this is what life is. Fair enough. I'm not going to fight it, but... I'm not up for it, someone may say. So so that's when you realize, okay, I need something more. I need something that ties me to the present moment. Um, and, and I think it, 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 a lot of it has to do with, with that last chapter of the book, which what is, what, what is all of this about? What is the yeah. story here? The, the, the other thing I wanted to discuss, um, like I mentioned, uh, this book talks about death uh, almost, as I said, refreshingly. Because he's very candid about his own experience and his life, and 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 you know going through the entire stages of grief almost, but then coming out of the other side. Like when when they contemplated, for example, suing the doctors. Yeah. His wife said to him in a very sobering moment, "Will it bring Ali back?" Mm. And then at that point, he realized, "No, it's futile." Yeah. Because they might get some money and they might get some. Uh, they're vindicated, but he's like, "All we want yeah. is our son back, and we can't have that." So, I think. Um, 
you know, leading on from last episode, we talked about uh, trauma and the body keeps the score. And, and it was, it was, I think trauma, based on, on the conversation in that book, trauma is a very central part of life. Mm. Uh, for a lot of people, it, it, it's just a, a, a daily reality. Um, so when it comes to death in particular, although it's the one inevitability that we have in existence yeah. uh, or in life, there is death. Um, but how how do we how, how do you think we begin to come to terms with that and and you know do you think it's possible to be happy uh when experiencing death if that makes sense yeah 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 i think he actually trying to i'm trying to keep anchoring my replies in in, in the book i think he actually no, but did this, a good this job. is i think this is the part where where yeah. you can but no but i feel like he did a good job of talking about that yeah that death is not the opposite of life i think that's a beautiful point he made mm. you know death is not the end of life it says death is the end of the physical form uh, and and i think he did a, a very good job of, of explaining that in for example uh, the islamic tradition there's that sentence that you don't die you experience death so death is not the end of you death is one thing that you go through it's part of the journey you taste it it, it, it's it's this idea that uh, as long as death is the end of life, it's going to be this scary thing that you want to push it away, which we're doing right now in the culture. No one wants to talk about it. Even I've seen, which really breaks my heart, because life naturally is designed in this physical form in such way that after you reach a certain age, the thought of death comes to your mind because it's naturally where you're going, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've seen people push it away. Like if, for example, they see mom or grandma is talking about, they're like, no, 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 don't talk about it. As if they think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. No, that person's going to die. I'm going to die. And we never know. Maybe we die even sooner than that person. So the idea that we push it away as if it's a taboo thing, Mo is saying that, it's because of the wrong perception we have of death. We think death is the end of us. We, so we've built all of our happiness on the foundation that can be achieved in this physical form in this, like, whatever, 50, 60, 21 years in the case of his son, time that we're here. And so let's not talk about afterwards. He says, no, look at your story in a bigger uh, frame. This bit in this physical form is just part of the story. And he gives actually good interesting arguments for that he doesn't come at it from like a religious angle um, he comes at it from his own engineering <laughs> mind so so i think that's that's important to once you look at your experience not as this limited 50 60 years but as a longer thing then you know death is just one step in this journey he gives example of Imagine if someone, like, while you're in the womb of your mother, everything is, like, given to you, like, without any delay. Instant gratification is in the mm. womb of the mother, right? The belly of the mother. Just imagine someone saying to you, you're going to die from this and go out. So, what? No, I'm happy here. And, but that's how this life starts. So, he gives this example that, like, dying from this physical form is also another... Um, transition. Transition. Which we may hate it, and then realize that, oh, actually, it was the best thing that could have happened to us. Mm. So I think, well, this is my own personal belief, which we can talk about later. I think death is one of the most beautiful things most of us will experience. That Descartes as well. <laughs> no, that's Descartes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, is there anything else? I'm trying to think. We've got about 10 minutes or so left. 
Um, Where we, should we go? There's a few places we could go. You tell me. Where do you want to go? Control, I think, was a very good one. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. You, you seem to... Control. Um, I, let, let me ask you one thing. I think um, I know a lot of people that read these kind of books. But, I mean, we're getting to the point almost even on this podcast of like prolifically reading uh, these books about happiness and life and lifestyle and, and being productive and whatever else. Yeah. But... Okay, you've done like a 10k run or 11k run, whatever. We 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 head in the right direction, mm. but it still feels like, generally speaking, with these kind of things, you read something, it has that limited impact, and then we kind of carry on. Okay. But we're we're constantly pursuing. I mean, happiness is one of those things, like you said, and even for me, whenever I think about my life plan or whatever else, I don't know what I want to do in five years, mm. but I know I just want to be happy. So wherever. I find that life is interesting and, and the opportunities are right and, and give me a sense of fulfillment and purpose. That's what I pursue. Mm. Um, but for a lot of people, and I know people that prolifically read these kind of books, but seem entirely miserable. Yeah. Um, how, 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 how do you reconcile that? I think that's such a brilliant question because it gives me the opportunity to tie in a few things we discussed in that's, one. That's why I asked it. I know. I, I got brilliant. inside your brain. Uh, yeah. No wonder Prime really. Prime is, <laughs> is primed me. Um, this, uh, by the way, this flavor is really good. I'm, next time, James, please. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm ready. So, so there's a few elements in your question. Mm. Uh, first of all, um, how can we get to happiness if these re books are not helping? What's going on? All of that. There's a little bit of um, up moment after you read it, or sorry, high, and then it goes down. Um, I think one of the things that a person will realize is that that control thing I said is so important that if you take that chapter to its full conclusion, you realize that you really can't solve for happy. Because as long as you want to solve for happy, that means at least my happiness is under my control. Which uh, he may say, yes, yes, everything else is not. External things are not under my control. My internal world is in my control, right? Um, and so, so that's maybe what he'll say. He'll say, yes, control of external things. I don't accept it. But internal world. But at some point, every person will realize that even my internal world is not under my control. And that may come a little bit later on in their journey of spirituality or all of this. But at some point, it was, no, it seems like, nope, uh, even internal world was not under my control. And that's where the whole new way of living starts for the person. And that's why also another reason why I said um, more is needed. Just removing expectation is not enough. In fact, even removing expectation is not that easy, right? Uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of people have realized the hard way is that even if we know what we need to do, that doesn't mean we can do it. Let's say I realize, okay, in order to be happy, I don't need to have expectations. Okay, <laughs> how can I remove my expectations? It's not as easy. You know, uh, a lot of the therapies actually started hitting dead ends because that's one of the things they realized. Uh, a lot of cognitive therapies, they started really optimistically that oh we realize the reason this person is not happy is they've got these three wrong cognitive patterns and we tell them and then they'll be happy there's no telling it doesn't do anything <laughs> you know how can it change you so at, at some point you know it's not about having more cognitive information 
it, it, it's about something else, completely something else. Uh, knowledge doesn't, this type of knowledge, this type of propositional knowledge doesn't lead to our happiness. So what are these highs we experience after reading in this book? And, and why do I still recommend a book like this? Because what is precious about this book is most journey. The best thing that can help us as long as we get, I mean, one of the best things that can help us is being next to someone or hearing from someone who's gone through a journey, they've achieved some real, not propositional knowledge, but like embodied knowledge of, of, of a truth. They may not even know how to articulate it. Like if you ask Mo, what's the formula for your happiness? He may give you this book, but it may not be this. You know, this is what he came up with. Well, that may not be why he's happy. But listening to his journey actually helps. So that's why I tell people, read these type of books. It's good. It, and, and, and I actually, even me, it gave me some energy. You know, like I even, I've been going through a very difficult time recently. And sometimes just listening to this was actually nice. So it, it's good. But ultimately, it, it requires way beyond that. Uh, and it goes back to, at some point, becoming... Uh, having an intimate relationship with the ground of being, with the source of reality, with whatever he says created that grand design, with whatever life itself is. That is the only way to be happy. And you realize happiness is a gift that comes from life. We can't make it come. Um, although we can take a lot of steps to be less unhappy, to not be depressed, which so much we can do. But to go that highest level to that, just really receiving every moment as a gift, that can come from life itself. It requires a certain way of interacting with life. Mm. You know, falling in love, basically, and realizing life itself or the source behind it is in love with us. There's no other, I think, solution. Um, I we said this in 2023. Let's see when will the world accept. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think it's it's interesting. Like you said, we we, we don't want to spoil too much of the book because there are some some really profound chapters in there. But I, I think he he almost presents uh, the, the 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 grand designer that concept in a similar way, where it's like you can call it what you want, you can imagine it how you want. But for him, and it's almost like the most. Um, uh, controversial part of the book if you can call it that because up until that he's just talking about things that are realities for everyone like being dissatisfied yeah, in yeah, life and whatever yeah. else but then for him what gave meaning to everything was that understanding of a grand designer which he calls God but others might call something else or might refuse to believe but it's I, I think it's difficult because even I mean on the way home from from the last podcast we were talking about uh, trauma and and the second half of the podcast you remember was quite heavy yeah and and I I I felt like it was quite a bleak outlook yeah um and then you said something I, I'll ask you to repeat on the podcast because I think it's it's relevant and it makes sense here but you know you, what what were you saying essentially about people's when they've had trauma especially in 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 early parts of life and and you know they haven't had the support from their parents or their family or they felt neglected or whatever you made an interesting point that that was more i guess grand designer slash god-centric in its in its outlook yeah yeah I, I think see all of these books come down to the same thing it's like everyone is through different ways even if they don't know what they're trying to say the same thing all the trauma books they're like if life is difficult you need to have some support uh, this one as well it says I needed to know there you know at the end of the day it seems like in all of these we're trying to say 
I need there to be a reality out there that would give me the love I want, that that helps me be seen, that that I can be in a relationship with, that makes the present moment worth it, and and. And, and 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 the problem, as as Mo says it very beautifully, the idea of God has been so much abused by so many people, so many horrible things being done in the name of God, that puts people off easily. We, I totally get that. I, I hate what has been done in the name of God and religion and all of that nonsense. So putting all of that away, putting even all religions away for a second, I, I think we deep down as humanity know that we would love it if there was a reality out there who loved us and who could make us seen. And as long as that's not there, we're going to keep chasing that being seen either through our parents, even when they're 65, even when they need our help. But like, daddy, see me, I became a rich person. Or if not, then the world, maybe if I have fans, they'll see me. Like we're desperate for attention. Um, and we're desperate for attention, desperate for being seen. Or another thing we know, like in the trauma book, we said trauma is not a bad event. Trauma is a bad event plus not getting the support. Well, where is that support going to come from? So I, I, I think ultimately the formula is this, being able to create, uh, not even create, being able to be in a relationship with life or the source of it that you feel loved from that. You feel that love and attention coming. And, and that will finally, and that you're, you're increasing at that love. Like there should even be growth in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I got your equation for happiness in the end. <laughs> you said you weren't going to give it. The, question, the <laughs> equation is this actually, that it's, it's, it, you can never gain it. It will be a gift that you'll receive. Because all, if you want to take the lack of control all the way, which is a deep thing, I hope people listen to that chapter because he does a very good job of setting the discussion up. Mm. Um, if people listen to that chapter on conclusion and push it even a little bit forward, <laughs> then then they'll reach now. Okay, I can't even gain my own happiness, but it's very much a birthright, as he says. I think this might be a good place to stop. What do you think? Uh, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot more to say. I think we we can you know no, I think we, we yeah. discussed trying to keep these down to like an hour, but increasingly i'm finding that these discussions can just go on and on yeah um but let's try and stick to the format as much as possible yeah um so next week's next episode's podcast yeah next next episode's podcast does that make sense next podcast yeah that makes more sense yeah we're gonna be um talking about the power of now by eckhart Tolle. tolly Tom. Okay, well, we'll figure out how to pronounce his name. But that that was a book. So what happened was you you messaged me. We were discussing what to do next. You messaged yeah. me about five books. Yeah. Um, that was on the list. And then a couple of days ago, um, I was with some guys and we were talking about something else. And then they were like, "Oh, what, why don't you do the power of now?" Yeah. And I took that as like the universe sending me signal. Sign. Yeah, sign that this is what we should do. Um, so we're going to be doing the power of now. I think again, it's a very popular. Does universe give signals to everyone who's done a marathon, or do you have like it's special a... thing going on? Maybe Deal. after your ten k, <laughs> you might get something. I don't. I can't. Can't promise. I've you... already finished the ten k. It doesn't have to be in a race. No, it has to, you have to get the medal. Is it? Yeah, it doesn't. They count. give medals for ten k. Can I get Is a medal it? and a t-shirt? Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, it doesn't count otherwise. Yeah. Of like, who knows you did a 10K on Strava? Yeah. Doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, you put it, on, it yeah, on a dog and the dog was running. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's next podcast. Um, anything else 
I don't know. What do we normally talk about at the end? That's it. Nothing. I just say that beautiful line. Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> so that's it. We're done. Everything is, yeah, okay. Uh, and, uh... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. It's not that difficult. Yeah, this is not a book club. I, I, and remember, this is not a book club. One more, one more. Uh, <clears throat> no, oh, you should have no expectations. What did we talk about? <laughs> okay. Um, and this is not a book club. No, and remember. Oh, okay. And remember, this is not a book club. That was nice. Yeah? I like that one. Very good. Seven out of ten. Okay. Okay. I have no expectations of love from you. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy.